schools in session. This is Recruiting Daily's Sourcing School Podcast. Real talk about recruiting, sourcing, and <clears throat> cyber sleuthing. Hot takes on sourcing tools, recruiting tech, and anything we want to talk about with no filter. It's time to level up and put your sourcing pants on. Here's your dudes, Ryan Leary and Brian Fink. Ooh, sometimes I get a good feeling. Yeah. Ryan Leary, welcome back to the show. It is Brian and Ryan. It's the Brian and Ryan show, but we found out that was already taken. So instead, we're calling it Recruiting Daily. My co-host is Ryan Leary. I'm Brian Fink, and we are excited that you are here with our most awesome guest, Veronica Jenkins, in the house today. Ryan, what's going on? What is up, Mr. Fink? How are you? I am good. You sound so good today. Like, I know I said that in the pre-show, <laughs> but like, you sound like big, boisterous, ready to bring the noise, ready to bring the boom. That is yeah, no, no pressure. No pressure, but I'm not, I'm definitely not going to break it out like you. I, I can't do it. I don't have the voice. I cannot say ever you're in my arms again. Yeah, I know you don't <laughs> sing. So, so we, we are on with Veronica Jenkins today. I'm really excited to have a conversation with Veronica. Um, I have mentioned her on other podcasts. Um, if you are not familiar with Veronica and the great work that she does as one of the two co-founders at Hive Talent Acquisition Firm here in Atlanta, Georgia, um, I'm glad that I get to call her a friend. I get to call her a peer. I get to call her a mentor. I get to call her all of these different things. Veronica, welcome to the program. Thank you both so much for having me. I am so excited to be here um, with you too. I hope that I can even hold a flame or candle to the awesomeness that you both are. So thank you for having me. Cool, 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 cool. About awesomeness, I'm going to let Ryan kick it off because somebody told me I don't let Ryan talk enough. So Ryan, (laughs) I'm going to let you talk. I'm going to let you have some chit chat today. You let me talk plenty. But so we were just saying like, Fink's been bragging about you, Veronica, for the last couple of days. She's so amazing. You're going to love her. And I've never spoken with you. So why don't we just start off with who are, who's Veronica? Well, I am the chief executive officer and co-founder of this awesome little busy bee haven called Hive Talent Acquisition Firm, currently located in the Sandy Springs suburb of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we are an HR generalist support system for business owners all over the world. We do everything HR, but we specialize in talent. Um, And what I mean by that is we speak the language of the people. We are very people focused in everything we do that's HR related. So whether it's company culture, whether it's recruitment, whether it is culturing people out, unfortunately, or just understand nuance and employee relationships. We are focused on people every day. And so that's what we do here at Hive. And I came to my wonderful business partner a little over four years ago and said, hey, I'm noticing that HR is getting away from focusing on people. And we really need to put that focus back into this industry. So do you think we can create something awesome that really does that? And she was like, I think so. And I said, well, let's give it a try. And four years later, we're still standing. We have some great clients. We're looking to bring on more. 
We've shifted and adjusted due to the pandemic, but man, when I tell you the work that we do is so powerful and I'm excited to work every single day in this industry and continue to affect change positively as much as I possibly can. So that's me. In a well, nutshell. actually, all right. So wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to jump right into that nutshell. I'm going to crack the nut open. One <laughs> of the things that, that I know that Victoria does really well is that she puts diversity front and center, that she honors candidates um, and that she makes sure that the companies she's working with honor those candidates and the voices and the perspectives that they bring. One of the things that we've talked about in the past is creating employee diversity blueprints and improving the process of diversity in an organization. That's not typically where a recruiting agency fits. What are you doing? Like, this is already different, but like, you know, tell me why this is the Rocky Road ice cream variety instead of the, uh, instead of the, you know, just general chocolate or vanilla. Well, I'll start with me and I'll work my way back. How about that? I that, remember, that works. Yeah. I remember what it was like to be that person on the team that did not fit into the round hole as a square peg. Right. I didn't feel supported. I didn't feel like I could show up as my most authentic self to work every day. And man, was it hard to focus on my work, worrying about what my appearance was doing to my team, wondering if clients were taking me seriously as an HR professional because I wasn't so black and white and cookie cutter every day. Um, and so that's really where this came from. It, it really um, came from me. And the experiences that I've had in corporate America every day. And I would really hate to put these wonderful and so so many talented people into a position where they can't show up as their most authentic selves every day. So that's where it really came from. Dana and I have had countless conversations um, around supporting our candidates as we continue to put them into the pipelines of our various clients for permanent placement. Um, in different roles and helping our clients understand the importance of having a diversity, equity, and inclusion blueprint well-established before they even talk about growing a team um, and making it the, the focus of their company culture, um, because that's really how they're going to be successful in, in retaining talent, not only just seeing people for who they are, but making sure that those people have equity, making sure that they have voices, and making sure that they honor those people as who they are on a day-to-day -day basis. So when you're telling the DEI story, of, yeah. how do you do that in an authentic, I mean, like, like, so I work for a company that, you know, our leadership is not a bunch of white guys are, and, you know, and what have you. And so often when you look at a picture of venture capital firms or, um, or quote unquote, 150 year old organizations, that is what the board looks like. How do you how do you bridge that divide and tell a compelling story that says we're interested in diversity and it's not just some kind of um, what's the word? It was on Sex in the City the other night, like um, where somebody's trying to be a white hero. Oh yeah, we call those cape crusaders. Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> The way you bridge that gap is you put people in the same position, help them understand how uncomfortable things can be. Dana and I do a lot of eye-opening exercises, even just in general, having conversations about things like microaggressions and what that can make someone feel like. Um, 
I tend to put myself in a position of vulnerability a lot when I'm having these conversations because I want people to understand that who they're looking at is just a shell of a person as far as what they know. And so you really get to know me and have a conversation with me and understand everything there is to know about my story and who I am, then you'll really be able to understand what it's like to have to go through the things that I go through every day and the people around me and so on and so forth. And even Dana, Dana does it as well. Dana will share experiences with people and help them understand, hey, I know what I look like, but the book, the cover of the book isn't telling the story. And you really need to be more understanding and willing to learn and, and gain experience in these situations so that you can be a better a boss, a better manager, a better business owner, a better CEO, or whoever it is you are within the company. Um, how, yeah. how, do you, how do you put someone in a position to feel vulnerable who's never been in that role? You do those exercises. So I'm going to tell you about one in particular that we did um, recently um, as part of an IED. So they kind of flipped it to inclusion, equity, and diversity um, council with a group that we belong to here in Atlanta. And basically it was a sheet of paper with a wheel, kind of like a color wheel. And the closer you got to the middle with self-identifying things, it showed you how privileged you are on a day-to-day basis. That was one of the most uncomfortable five-minute exercises for everyone on that Zoom call. You could literally see, and we required everyone's cameras to be turned on. You could literally see people's faces changing as they began to realize how privileged they are on a daily basis and in their everyday life. And some people were really emotional about it. And we were having conversations about the fact that if you grew up in an environment where there was a grocery store five minutes away from your house that offered organic foods, your privilege. If you grew up in an environment where you never had to wonder where your next meal was coming from, your privilege. If you knew you were going to college immediately when you started high school, that's privilege. We just had all of these different identifying factors on this document um, that really helped people understand that even though you're privileged, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's just what you do with the privilege that you have and how you view yourself in society. Do you want to be an advocate for people that don't have the same type of experience as you do? And you want those people to show up as their authentic selves at work and beyond that and help them understand how to navigate through a society which hasn't really afforded them every single thing that you've had as an experience on a day-to-day basis and help them be enriched in their experiences every day? Or do you just want to stand by the wayside and let them suffer and and not have that type of experience? It's up to you, really. Um, And so that's one of the ways we do it. And another thing is, like I said before, sharing experiences, you know, and it's not because we want people to feel bad that they haven't gone through some of the struggle that we have, but it's just to open their eyes and help them understand, hey, what you think and what perceptions you may have are not necessarily true. So that's how we go about doing that. It's so fascinating. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of thinking I want to go through the exercise. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting I'm here and I'm like, well, like, you know, so I, I think about this and, uh, you know, and, and recruiting daily, this is for Ryan to talk about, you know, for him to, for him to figure out how we get it into the mix. But like this exercise, like just hearing it, you know, it talks, it, it 
like just hearing about this, like it makes me think about race and bias. Um, it makes me wonder though about what what we're doing around accepting gender identity. Because I feel like that's been, a, 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 maybe I'm just, maybe I'm mistaken, but I feel like that's been a big part of the conversation over the past year. I know that when I go to Starbucks and I get coffee from Jude, he is wearing a, a button that says he, him. Um, I feel like, how, how is your exercise dropping into or having a conversation around gender identity? That's a huge one. Um, so we actually broke things down to a very micro level. Um, we did a social identity group exercise a couple of weeks ago in the same group. And basically it's just like a little table, right? And it lists out social identity groups. And ironically, the first one is gender. Um, and so the way it works is you put an X next to what you identify. And if you're one up or one down, that lets you know if you are more privileged as it relates to the group or less privileged as it relates to the group. So with gender, if you're one up, you put an X next to being a man or identifying as a man. If you identify as a woman, you put one down. But if you identify as they, them, or anything else, then you're two levels down. So the levels down indicates the, the, the distance away from the privilege, if that makes sense. And so we had a lot of conversation around gender identity, the difference between gender and sexuality. Um, a lot of people don't really understand that. Um, the spectrum of sexuality, the spectrum of gender, how it ties into the LGBTQIA community and what that means. Um, and I'm telling you that, again, those conversations were super emotional, very charged conversations, but it wasn't from a negative perspective. It was from people wanting to learn and understand how to be more supportive. Um, and a lot of people ended up sharing personal experiences of just being confused and not knowing what to say, what not to say. A lot of people didn't understand how... Um, mentally and emotionally draining it can be for people um, that are trying to understand um, where on the spectrum they lie, gender-wise, sexuality-wise. So um, we've been having a lot of conversation about that. And we've also done a lot of um, team trainings with some of our clients on um, what to say, what verbiage to use, even dress code policy and procedure that's written into the handbooks um, that they use for their company policy on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, we've done a lot of consulting education around that because it's important. Um, and it goes back to people being able to be who they are every day. Wow. I mean, this is, this is a really powerful conversation as we're talking about this blueprint. Yeah. Um, I've also got to wonder is like, I remember when I first started in recruiting, uh, what is now 15 years ago is that people would say to me, Brian, like I was recruiting for pharmaceutical sales representatives and they would say, Brian, I want a pretty girl. Oh right? yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest, right? Like, you know, I mean, Veronica, you know me, like I'm only going to speak, I'm only going to speak the truth. I'm only going to tell you what it is, okay. is that, uh, is that with that, there, there's a lot of unpacking that I've done, like uh, spiritually and um, writing things out about how that makes me feel and, mm -hmm. and what have you. But when, but in an agency, 
you know, agencies, there is a stigma attached to agencies that agencies are only interested in the next placement, the nearest dollar. Yep. You guys are, you're really kind of going against the grain there. Like you're really fighting the stereotype of what the stigma is with an agency by saying, let's go in and let's, let's make sure that this is, let, let's have a thoughtful discussion, make sure that people of other backgrounds um, other than those of quote unquote, and I'm going to call it white privilege. I, I was just thinking actually of the book, uh, Waking Up White by Debbie Irving. Yeah. Um, is uh, you, you're putting, a, you are, I salute you. You are putting a lot of marbles ahead of, ahead of dollars yeah. to make sure that there's a difference made in the world. Yes. But you remember when I was telling you my story at the beginning that I told you that that was the goal. I didn't say, Dana, let's create a company to make $5 million in three years. I said, let's create a company that puts the focus back on people within HR. So that's what we're doing. And I will just tell you, I'll give you one example. We're in open enrollment right now for one of our clients. Um, They're a disadvantaged business entity, Black-owned business. I am so proud to call them a client. We had a couple of issues with a couple of employees that one of them was having issues having access to mental health resources. Another one had a child that needed some medical attention. Another one of them had some issues for orthodontic reasons, what have you, right? Instead of my client saying, use the benefits that you have and make do with what you have, he came to me just distraught. He said, my people aren't focusing on work. They're worried about being able to afford benefits. This is nuts. Find me somebody that's going to overhaul my benefits. We're about to go into open enrollment. I want to switch this up. I want to expand my benefits package, and I'm going to cover 90% of the premiums. And I looked at him, and I said, you're amazing. And he goes, no, I have you and Dana to thank for this because I don't have a problem paying for the benefits that I have. But I want my people to focus on their work. And if they can focus on their work and being comfortable in their own skin and being who they are every day, then I'm going to cover 90% of these premiums because I don't want them worried about that. To me, that's why we started this company. He that's, that's, that's powerful. Yeah, it is. It's, he expanded his benefits to offer more mental health coverage to give a better leave policy for all parents, not just the moms, not just the dads, but all parents, right? Changed all the verbiage in his employee handbooks, even in his job descriptions to be more gender inclusive because he didn't want anybody to be uncomfortable. He removed restrictions on coming into the office, work from wherever you are, I don't care, get the work done, make my clients happy. Those are the types of people that we work with at Hive, and it is a joy and a pleasure to send candidates to this man to help him expand his team because we know that he really gets it and he cares. That is why we started this company. Veronica, I've got a, a question for you. What what are what are steps that a co- obviously not every company can do this, or I guess every company can do it. Not every company does. Do right. This. Right. What are some of the steps that a company needs to take um, in order to get headed down this path? First thing you need to do is give your people the opportunity to tell you how they feel. Create an employee satisfaction survey or create some sort of forum 
or have an all hands meeting and leave the floor to the people. Ask an open question and then sit there and let them talk to you. Take notes and listen. Don't listen to respond. Listen to understand. That's your first step. Your second step after you do that is to figure out where you can make the changes that need to be made. I understand everyone's in business. I'm a business owner too. We have to keep the lights on. We have to pay the bills. But what good is all of that if you don't have a happy team to support your vision? So start there first. And then once you really understand what your people need, figure out how to make it happen. Figure out how to make it happen because it will be so worth it. When you have the type of company culture like my client does, where people are literally knocking at his door just for an internship. They're like, I just want to intern here. You don't even have to pay me. I'll take college credit. I've heard so much about how awesome your company is. I know the awesome work that you're doing. I want to work here. Please just consider me for an internship. That's the type of company culture you want based on inclusion, equity, diversity, acceptance, and understanding how valuable people are to you. Hey, Veronica, you said acceptance there. Um, you know, I've always heard belonging. And, and I'm just wondering, what's the difference between acceptance and belonging? Help me, help me so I'm not a bumbling. No, 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 you're fine. <clears throat> acceptance is accepting people for who they are, understanding that people are going to be who they are, and you let them do that. Belonging is a sense of being part of a unit. But if you're accepting someone, then of course they're going to belong to default. But that's okay. my opinion. <laughs> no, 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 that's a. I, I think that I think we've had. Uh, wow, this, this conversation has gone from you know uh, from from light to heavy and and back and forth again. And there's been some laughter in there, and there have been some lessons, Veronica. Usually, I, I say, give me three points to wrap this thing up. Instead, I want to ask a different question. Okay. Um, we've talked a lot about we, we've talked a lot about DEI and DEI and B today. Mm -hmm. What question did Ryan or I not ask you that we should have asked that would really resonate with? companies and founders and owners and employees, what question did we not ask you that would resonate with all of those individuals to make sure that it was a safe and uh, safe, well-deserving, belonging environment? <clears throat> Excuse me. What is the best way for a company to be an ally to their employees? What's the best way for a company to be an ally to their employees? The best way to do that is to be open to listening to their voices and be willing to change for the better. Oh, man, that means it's over. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting Daily.